Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jake. So you booked your ticket to uh, Virginia for your gun rally now? Dude. Oh, God. You're just <laughs> jumping right into it. You know what's funny is... Okay, so this let's just start off by saying that I had breakfast with my dad yesterday mm-hmm. and he gave me a gun. Nice. So I've been talking about getting a gun. Mm-hmm. Um... I think more for just home protection, just in case. I just have the worst fears sometimes. I live downtown Vancouver, mm-hmm. like right there on, uh, what is it, Fourth Plane or whatever. Yeah. And there was a lot of like... Oh, Fourth Plane sketch. Shady activity right there in the Hauk neighborhood or whatever. And it just, it just you know, I would always, I, bought, I literally bought like this like wedged like door lock so Mm -hmm. you had all these locks on the door but also one that like they could not push the door open because it like it's almost like a kickstand that went under the door handle that held it there sure just that's how scary it was sometimes you know um and there were times you know where i was working nights and jen was by herself um at home Mm -hmm. i just i don't know i don't know i just don't know sure and maybe just that's the fear of the american culture i don't know I just have so many thoughts and ideas now that I have a gun. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I just feel like I shouldn't, for one. But two, it's just like, I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Um, uh, just, just, I don't know. I don't know how to process it. Like, I'm like, okay, I have one. I, I want to, I want to, I want to be well versed and trained in, in how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not right now. I mean, I've I've shot guns, but I don't know like cleaning and all sure. of those. Not not just cleaning, but just. <clears throat> but also, I think that there's a healthy fear that I have with the weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's responsible. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's just even like people referring to it as like a toy, like oh, you got a new toy. It's like no, this is not a toy to me in any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and Jen fucking hates it. Really? <laughs> She's just like, I don't like that we have a gun now. And I'm like, listen. I kind of don't either, but if I'm, she's like, I just want to make sure that like we're trained and how to use it and blah, 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 blah. Maybe you should take a class. I'm like, listen, Jake, I go, if I can learn anything from Jake, I go, I would way rather learn just as much as I can from Jake before I even looked into any class. That's going to, one, going to cost money and two, I don't know these creeps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Gun, gun, uh, yeah, there's some good ones out there. Um, I'm sure. Well, some of them are some of them are real Nazis, though. Like <laughs> they just assume you're an idiot from the beginning. I am. Yeah, but they treat you like that, and it makes it. It actually is. It makes it worse. Oh, okay. They make you nervous instead right. of instead of making you comfortable. And mm. then when you're nervous, you're more likely to make a mistake. Mm. So that's why you asked if I'm going to gun rallies. Um, I told someone at work that I got a gun, and he goes. Oh, so now you're a... He goes, wait, I thought you were a liberal Democrat. Now you're a conservative Republican? Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, I've always been a proponent of gun rights. Like, I, It's weird even saying that, knowing that I have a gun now. Yeah. It's weird, dude. Anyways, you can look at it. Yeah, Springfield XD. I don't know anything about it. XD Compact. Are these illegal? Hollow points? Yeah. No. Oh. oh well, there's hollow points. Don't mention what this is, but is this illegal? Winchester. In Washington? Winchester. No. Oh, really? No. There's no magazine capacity restriction oh, okay. in Washington, Oregon. My stepdad was like, I don't know if this long magazine is illegal. 
for an XD. Oh, it's Pro Mag, aftermarket mag. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> oh, Dr. Jake in here, dude. I can show you how to take this apart. He gave me a trigger lock. Nice. Yeah, which I appreciate. I have a safe. Whoa, how'd you do that? Hmm? What's the point of doing all that? Just looking at it. Whoa. It's like Legos. It is a toy. <laughs> <laughs> He's barely shot it. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. He's just like, you've been talking about one, and he's always kind of talked about getting me one. So he just gave it to me. Yeah, it's nice looking gun. Dude, you know what's crazy is I have shotguns. Mm-hmm. That's, but, that's a safety. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I always kind of forget how heavy they are. You know? Mm-hmm. And this is a stupid thought I had when driving and last night. And they get even heavier when you load them. Yeah, this is a thought I had last night when I was driving. Um, home, just thinking about it, is mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this is a stupid thought. This is just me being naive and just silly. But I'm thinking about when I'm a kid and like you find a stick that's kind of shaped like a gun and then you're running around like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> you know, I used <laughs> did to, that a lot. <clears throat> me and my brother used to do it all the time. My brother was so good at like making fake gun sounds with his mouth. Mm-hmm. It, it was always impressive. Um, but, you know, you just you have toy guns, you have Nerf guns, you have all these things, and they're light. They're toys. Then you hold a gun, and you're like, holy shit, like, this is this is a weapon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. We'll have to, we're going to go, we're, we'll go shoot. Duck, this is the last season. This is the last weekend for duck season, mm-hmm. so I'll be free Yeah, so forward. that range out east on, like, 192nd? Uh, English pit? Maybe. Or there's two out there on 192nd. There's Up there's, by the um, Humane Society. Is it indoor or outdoor? Outdoor. That's English pit. Okay. I've gone there. Jen's brother, David, took me there like, okay. pff, probably like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you know, Dimitri, he's he's actually out training right now. Mm-hmm. He has to do like four weeks of training. Wow. Because he's still active, kind of, mm-hmm. but he's a recruiter. You know, he's in the, what's it called? The reserves or... Whatever. Anyways, he sent a video to me of like everybody like shooting down range and it was freaking fun, dude. I was like, I want to do that. And he goes, you know, I'm a recruiter. Like, how bad do you want to do it? <laughs> I was like, no, not not that bad. Sorry. Like, I'm a puss. I can't. But it looked cool. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. But I got a safe and I got a lock and I'll be safe. And now I got to be like up on the laws and shit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I would. Um, I think it's responsible to know what is allowed and isn't allowed. We got to talk. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I, I got some questions. Yeah, for sure. But I figured you would, and I figured that we would talk about it, and uh, we could kind of see what I need to do on my end and all that. I guess I got to go to gun rallies now. Yep, you do. I'm you forced to, go, to. You have to go wave your Trump flag because <laughs> that's how you become a member. Well, nobody else supports gun rights. No. No one else. Nobody. But Trump. Nobody else. Um, what's new with you? Um, just been doing a lot of reading. Like, on what? Oh, impeachment. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I'm doing the the trials are on in the morning when I mm-hmm. get ready for work. So I've been kind of like, I think I only saw the opening statements from his lawyers. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's just interesting to me. Like they're not really. Like his whole defense isn't to say that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. His defense is is that so what if he did it? He was within his 
constitutionally defined rights to do so. So that's kind of what I've heard so far. Yeah, which I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like <laughs> for a bunch of people who claim to be conservatives, like basically what he's arguing is that the the presidency can the president can act with absolute impunity and like yeah. and is can't be held accountable for anything. Yeah. It gets to that expansion of power. Like everyone's just like cool with it, I guess. Or maybe or maybe they're afraid of I don't know, this is a thought I had also. So they're they're okay with like allowing this, right? Because mm-hmm. it's the it's the office of the president, it's allowed, look at you know, that's what he can do. But I also wonder if maybe there's a fear for say there's a Democrat in the office and now they're afraid of what I don't know, I don't know if I'm I'm not saying this, but basically of what expansions they might have. Mm-hmm. You would think that they would have more restrictions if they're afraid of what might come, but maybe they're assuming he's just going to win again. And that's why they're trying to solidify these, this behavior. I don't know. It's weird. I think they so want the government that quote unquote conservatives have wanted forever. Mm-hmm. Like they want Supreme court. They want their conservative Supreme court justices to overturn stuff. They want, mm. they want, not only the government, but America to go back to the way it it was. Right, right, you hear and, that they're, a lot. and they're so, I think, they're so blinded by that rose-colored glass mm-hmm. version of like vision and lens and of viewing America and our government mm-hmm. that they're willing to basically give this guy complete. They're like, well, we'll give you everything. Just give us this. Yeah. I, I see the same kind of attitudes and ideas on the other side too, though. Mm-hmm. You know, they're willing to let a lot go as long as certain things are done and, and happen. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, you're, I don't, I, I guess you're just going to like one, I want these MFers to, <laughs> to, to own, like they're going to, I don't want them to ever be able to run away from this. Like you are based like the senators, like Mitch McConnell. Right. He's going to go through and he's trying to get an entire Senate trial, impeachment Senate trial, without calling a single witness. Mm-hmm. The processes and in, in the, like the shortened time frame and right. saying I'm getting my directions. Like think about this. Think about any other criminal trial. Yeah. And that's what this is. This is I a know. criminal trial where the prosecute, like where the judge says I'm getting my directions from the accused. Because that's what he said. He's like, yeah. we're, we're taking our we're we're taking our directions from White House counsel. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And Lindsey Graham and others have already said that they're willing to acquit, and they haven't even heard or seen evidence yet. Like, think of, just think about that—a judge who's already predetermined his decision before even sitting down. Yeah. That's how the... Um, and they want to argue process? Yeah, they've been arguing process. Even in the opening statements, I've heard them argue process. You're arguing process, but yet you set up as... Even if even if the Democrats did some things to enhance their, their own political gain through mm-hmm. this whole thing, you did it 10 times worse. Yeah. I... I, I I don't know. I I hope these guys can never walk away. Can never walk away from this. But you know what's going to happen four years from now? What when does these that guys mean? Are still in the Senate? Yeah. They'll like be able to pretend like they weren't a part of this. Oh, okay. Or four years down the road, completely switch up and be like, and then try to impe- or trying to impeach a Democratic mm-hmm. president. Mm-hmm. 
Well, using the same arguments that they're saying is unconstitutional on the right. left, right? What the left's trying to do right mm-hmm. now, because that's what they're going to do. These guys think yeah. they, they just they can insulate themselves and then future future down the road that they they can just lie and keep cheating and right. not have to own what they've done, which is set up in a, in a complete sham trial. Yeah. Hmm. I'm so frustrated by this. Maybe that's why you're bummed out. I think it is. <laughs> Maybe that's why. I just... Let me ask you something. Have you been looking at Trump's Twitter at all? No. Okay, he's been... Just his demeanor naturally and just the way he is, he's kind, He's a douche, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone that maybe might threaten or be in competition of him is has some stupid nickname and, you know, degrading nickname that he's come up with, right? Yeah. He's been... I, he probably tweets more positively about Bernie Sanders than anyone else. Hmm. It's weird. Well, I think he, I think he's the other side of the coin from Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah. But why? Why is he? And almost, it almost is like he would prefer Bernie as an opponent. Mm-hmm. I think he would. He said that. Why? Well, I, I think he loses to Bernie. You think so? I think he loses to Bernie. I'm telling you right now, and I 100% believe this, I think Biden loses to Trump. Mm-mm. Dude, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And Okay, so this is a theory I heard yesterday. But I heard that... Um, okay, this is this is out there. I'm not that I'm saying I believe this, okay. but this is a conspiracy level for you, and I know you're already turned off by it. But this is just a conspiracy that I heard. But just the the stretching uh, the timeline, manipulating the timeline by the Democrats, by Pelosi, so that Warren and Sanders are both busy with the trial so that when it comes to Iowa, Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Biden Mm -hmm. is available and, and still out able to campaign while the campaign while those two are busy with trial. That just doesn't make any sense. I'm just telling you what I heard, but either way, you heard from where? Some <clears throat> someone who doesn't read. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just telling you what's out there. Either way, I do not think Biden beats Trump. I don't think it happens. I think that he. I can see anybody losing to Trump. I think Biden loses to Trump. I don't think Biden does. Do we should bet on this? <laughs> I really think he does, dude. I don't. I honestly think I 100% believe this with everything in my heart. Bernie's the only one that can beat him. Okay. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. So this is a stupid argument. It's not a stupid argument. It's a debate. It's a it's a conversation. But why do you think Biden can beat him? Because I think Biden. So Trump is pulling around like 88 to 90 percent of Republican okay. support. But that's still 10 percent of the of of the second biggest voting block in the united states in terms of party affiliation okay so that's still 10 percent, mm-hmm. and you know you're not going to get really any democrats crossing over to vote for trump this year right this time right. so they'll either not show up or they will vote, vote for a vote democrat okay i think you can have enough crossover republicans with independents who are going to probably be uncomfortable with somebody who is as bombastic and is talking about as radical change as bernie sanders Okay. I don't think there's a lot of people who are really... I don't think there's a lot of Americans who are really comfortable 
with the extremes, the, the, with the extremes, right. but the, we know what Trump is at this point. I think that there is a lot, there's a lot of apprehension and especially in the American psyche mm-hmm. of having a rapid intrusion of government right. into their, into the economy. Okay. And I, I, I think that they will, as much as in, in the academic world, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders's stuff all makes sense. Right. It all sounds good. And if right. you sit that you sit down around a bunch of like-minded people and you mm-hmm. start talking about Bernie Sanders's policies and everything, you can be like, okay, I understand how, you know, we get to, we get to X by all right, these right. different variables, whatever. <clears throat> and, but I just, I don't think he has enough crossover appeal to be able to bring about anybody other than his core base, which they are very active, right, right. but I don't think there's, mm. I think, You'll have that 10% of Republicans and a lot of independents just stay home, right in a third party. Right. Or, which I guess is the fear with Bernie's bros, right? If they don't get their candidate, they're going to stay home. For sure. I don't know. I think they... Okay, but you just told me why Bernie won't beat him. Mm -hmm. Why will Biden beat him? Well, I kind of did. And, you know, you just flip flip it. You're saying that. Just flip what I said. He'll do those things. Yes. I think that it it depends on, I just don't think that people, I think, okay, what I worry about is, one, American citizens, Mm -hmm. (laughs) two, uh, Trump's ability to create a narrative about people and really hammer on it Mm -hmm. enough for people to start joking about it, and then it almost becomes like an idea that people share. Um, He's a marketing genius, I'll give him that, like... The more and more I read, the more and more I see exactly what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested to, so say he gets the nomination, and it is solidified that it's those two, Biden and Trump, right? Yeah. I think that's, Biden's got a lot, of do, lot to do to change his, Trump's narrative of him. Mm-hmm. I think that depends, if he can do that well enough, I think he can win. But I also see what you're saying as far as people on the, the fence either doing one, leaning one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. It just worries me. Because I don't want Trump to win again. <laughs> no, neither do I. But, obviously, I mean, we, we right, sit here and right, we talk right. about him like almost every episode. But yeah. The... I don't know. I, I just, I've, I've listened. Maybe it's just my own personal biases. I just cannot see myself voting for Bernie Sanders. I, I don't, I mean, I voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But Hillary Clinton is essentially a Republican. We're talking about, (laughs) yeah, I know she's not, she's not Bernie Sanders. Did you hear what she said? Yeah. She she couldn't stand Bernie. That helps Bernie because people can't stand Hillary. The, yeah. the argument for that election is I had to vote for the lesser of two evils. There are people who argue that. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't going to vote for Hillary, so I voted for Trump. There are people who, because of who the Democratic nom- nominee was, mm-hmm. would have voted Democrat but chose not to because it was Hillary. Yeah. Right? Sure. So those people who just deferred to Trump, it's literally deferring to Trump mm-hmm. in that scenario for a lot of people. At least enough for me to to make that statement. I've heard it. You know what I mean? So, for her to say that, a lot of people who don't like her enough to defer to Trump, now I feel 
kind of puts I don't think it did I did it I think it did more positive for Bernie mm-hmm. than it did negative. I can see that with, Yeah. I I think Bernie is this Bernie with without actually saying it. Mm-hmm. Bernie's a, is make America great again also. Right. Because he wants to I, he wants to isolate and protect the United States' economy through mm-hmm. through the pr- practice of protectionist trade policies. Right. Um, he's uh, he is staunchly against the World Trade or- Trade Organization and other multilater- institutions. multilateral institutions yeah. at the international level. He's he's honestly he's he is Trump. He yeah. wants to isolate the United States' economy. He wants to help America's Americans first, American right. American workers first. He runs a similar populist campaign. Mm-hmm. That's why he will beat Trump or Biden will lose. I, I think that's where we're at. Listen, nobody cares about then we, multilateral then we, institutions then, on the international we, level. Nobody cares. Then we then we end up with a populist fighting a populist. Yes. And we talked about this when Megan yes. was on the last this last time. Yeah. That was months ago. But yeah. I think that's where we're headed. I, I okay, honestly. Probably Biden wins the nomination, but I don't think he wins because of what you just said. I don't think we're smart enough <laughs> to care. We want it fixed now. Like you just said, you know, 15, 10 minutes ago, they want the quick fixes. They want it fixed now. Like they don't care about process or, or get, you know, going through what needs to happen. They just want, they're willing to sacrifice to make things happen now. Yeah, I guess I, I just, Listening, to, you are more li- hopeful than I am. <laughs> listening to that, listening to that foreign policy, listening to that foreign policy debate, right? The other night, oh yeah, yeah, it yeah, just made me realize that there's only one viable in my in my mind. Yeah. There's only one viable candidate right. because the rest of them b- truly believe that we could just waltz back into the JCPOA mm-hmm. like it, like we never left. Right. That just tells me how unrealistic, like, and how inexperienced you are in foreign policy. Right. I'll take the guy that got us that JCPOA. Right. Joe Biden was the main negotiator. I just in think that about situation. American culture. And 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 so we talked a little bit about lying, right? And I'm in this ethics class. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about the development of ethics. And um Kohlberg is his name from the 70s. He's he argues different phases of developed ethics mm-hmm. very egocentric when you're <clears throat> a child like you make a choice based on consequence or authority mm-hmm. you're not based you're not basing it on anything else other than i could get in trouble by the authority figure right mm-hmm. but then when you get older that changes you have more you have more of a concept of society and others and i mean his his approach is kind of sexist because it's specifically male founded and then brushes that across mm-hmm. the board for everyone um but there is some there's some valid arguments there made in, in what he makes. But one thing that he that I identify with and that I was curious about before reading it is like what what happens with the introduction to expanding your circle, different people from mm-hmm. different you know. Sure. Um and then at the end of the at the end of his dissertation he talks about the effect that education has and going to college and how that can change the way that 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 circle mm-hmm. and that i that i uh that idea of um ethics based on social reasons or or, or society or mm-hmm. other communities or whatever um 
so I think about, and this might, this, this, I think if you see where I, you think I'm going, it might sound a little elitist, but I'm not trying to be. I'm just saying that if there are these waves of, of ethic choice making, I think that, I think that for some, for some, I think for you and I, we've talked a little bit about this, how we have changed because of our education. Mm-hmm. I know I did. I was, I didn't graduate high school. I didn't know shit. But then going to school and having a better understanding of maybe how institutions work, how societies work, how history looks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We sought out that that education. We need to know more. We want to know more. Even today, we still, <clears throat> after um, undergrad, we want to know more. We still seek that those opportunities to learn. I don't feel like on the mass scale people have that desire to understand you know what i'm saying i'm 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 mm-hmm. i'm basing it all on the ethics class cuz i'm seeing these waves and sure. and people choosing to learn to which in turn affects their ethics choice but i'm not saying that voting one way is an ethical choice i'm mm-hmm. not saying that but what yeah. i am saying is that you there are there are waves of developments in so many things i'm just using this as an example but <clears throat> having an idea of just what it took for me to finally try to think uh, unobjectively about something mm-hmm. took a lot of training for me to, to to get there. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people are there. I think that's my final point. Okay, I think it boils down to from in my mind. Yeah, is that people are afraid to admit that they don't know what they don't know, and I think that there are people who are afraid to be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't want to admit that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think if there's one thing that edu- if education does more than anything mm-hmm. is it allows you to understand what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you know what you don't know. Yes, yes. And it also makes oh, it like okay that. to know that it's okay to not know what you don't know and seek that knowledge. Perfect. And I think that it's, there are, there is a lot of, this is going to sound elitist, (laughs) (laughs) culpable ignorance. Yeah. When like you could know things, but you choose to not spend the time to know it. That's the first thing I argued in that last Mm -hmm. post Mm -hmm. was like, are people willingly accepting lies because it challenges the way that they think? Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me ask you this question from my post this week. Okay. Because this kind of goes from what you just said. That's why I said perfect. Is confidence in what's ethical better than the acknowledgement of complexity of moral issues? Say that again. Is confidence in knowing what's ethical? Okay. So on your in your own personal, sure. I know what's right. Yeah. Is that better or worse than having a compl- uh, an, an acknowledgement of complex moral issues? So that gets to the idea, and this is based on the readings that we did. So in your gut, is mm-hmm. is having that gut feeling that you know what is right, is that better or worse in some way? Or, you know, mm-hmm. they always make you choose one way, but yeah. the answer is never black or white. For sure. Um, or is having an understanding of moral issues a better approach to deciding what's ethical? So trust your gut or trust what society is, what you think society wants or you exposure to, do. to society. Like mm-hmm. the more you have of like, so the, 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 the example in the reading is, is like Joe's husband, uh, Joe's wife, Mary is dying. Mm-hmm. 
of -hmm. cancer or whatever it may be. He doesn't have enough money to afford the medication. Mm -hmm. He steals it. Okay. What do you think? So then there's all these different answers that come from different people, um, male, female, different ages, right? And, And going through the different age ideas and if we're going through these phases of ethical development, mm-hmm. then we're going to look at different people, right? So what's interesting is this <clears throat> this woman, she argues that, well, she's 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 basing her analysis on relationship. Like may, maybe not steal, but maybe have, if you have a conversation with the pharmacist and you tell them what's going on, they'll have a better understanding of blah, 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 blah. Well, this other, um, Kohlberg argues that, uh, that all people are very... Um, uh, uh, rule of law and they're systematic and mm-hmm. well it's not it's illegal to steal so I can't steal but I'll you know so it's just having a better understanding of different scenarios okay you know so there's one scenario of of stealing medicine for somebody who's sick or stealing food for somebody who's hungry or you know there's complex moral issues that you can look at is having an understanding of multiple possible things that could happen does that influence ethics more than just your gut or does your gut influence all of it? Well, what I guess I mean is is your is your mind like what your gut, your mind like mm-hmm. what your mind, your in the internal processes that go into your dis, your own personal individual decision making. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you'd have to in order for me to really answer that, I guess we're assuming that that is not in itself culturally influenced god i love you that's why you're one of my best friends jake <laughs> that was my answer mm-hmm. i said the answer is not definitively either choice i think that confidence in what's ethically better can be significantly subjective and egocentric whereas acknowledgement of complexity of moral issues almost encourages empathy and understanding of others perhaps Acknowledging a complexity of moral issues can further define a confidence in what's ethically better, mm. which is what you just said. Yeah. Maybe that social and maybe that broader understanding defines your gut and what you know is mm-hmm. morally better. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Dude, that's exactly what I said. I love that. I love that. But, love and that. Then, but then there, like, I guess you could, the counter argument there is that there are like, Social psychologists would mm-hmm. argue that uh, even though they're most probably like 95% of our decision making and how we see the world is, is socially driven by the environment that we live in. Mm-hmm. But there's also there is some um, nature via nurture mm-hmm. where there are at ad- evolutionary adaptations in our brain right. that are going to especially when it regards to fairness and like leadership and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. transcend both time and space. Okay. So you could have two different groups that have never contacted each other, but have the same values because we've all grown, we've all evolved mm. throughout the same evolutionary time. Right. So same, like there's been a lot of studies like in terms of like, f- like fairness. Yeah. And um, if, if someone gives like, there, well, there was one famous is this, study. Is this anthropology? No, no, okay, this, is, this is political science. Good. Um, <laughs> There's a um, there's a one R.I.P. Doctor Weber. Yeah. Um. One. Uh. Someone's. So there's a study where there's two people, right? Mm-hmm. And they give the the person administering this study gives mm-hmm. one person a dollar. Mm-hmm. So it's your dollar. You get to determine what. Oh, you've told me yeah, this before. Yeah. What person B gets? Uh-huh. You can give them nothing. You can give them the whole dollar. You can split it into cents and give them anything. Right. And. 
then they after afterwards they they started questioning person A mm-hmm. about what went into their decision making mm-hmm. about what they thought would be fair to give somebody who didn't earn anything right but were still there and there was like and then they asked person B what if they were happy with what they got or what right, didn't get and right. what their expectations was and they found that the the mean evident like of all the the answers they took mm-hmm. the mean and the answer was the minimum what people expected was three. And then what the person who was giving the money would be like 30, basically 30 cents of what the dollar was. Oh. And they both. Three had, cents versus 30? Sorry. No, sorry. 30 cents. So 30%. Oh. 30% was. was no, but they the receiver expected three? No. Sorry. The receiver expected 30%. Oh, okay. So 30, and the giver thought that 30% uh-huh. was a fair number to give. They both thought 30? Some sometimes. Whoa. So what they what they ended up finding was that there are like their conclusion was is that there is like some sort of built-in mechanism mm-hmm. that of, around fairness about mm-hmm. what is a what is a fair level of compensation to mm-hmm. give somebody in a that closed environment. I don't right. know, but they're basically it's showing that there. Why do do we keep coming to this particular number mm-hmm. over a expanded? over an expanded group of people who right. don't have any sort of past history or connection from all sorts right. of different cultural backgrounds. Interesting. So all of this I brought up to kind of also reflect back to our early discussion of the decision-making of the American people. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. it's, it's <clears throat> because I don't want to, the, when we come and when we discuss these approaches or we discuss these ideas, like we said twice, mm-hmm. it comes off and may seem like we're being elitist and we're absolutely not trying to be. Instead, we're trying to be, we're trying to understand mm-hmm. in, the, in this decision making. Like you said, right from the jump, we don't know. So this is a dumb conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't say dumb conversation. It's a dumb argument. <laughs> argument, right. But it's just, I just wanted to discuss decision making a little bit because I mean, I don't know. We don't know. And, and I think that that's what scares me the most in all of this is who's influencing mm-hmm. decision making and how vulnerable is the American public to mm-hmm. influence. Yeah. That's what worries me. Yeah. Regardless of, of candidate. If it's Biden, how influenced are they by Trump's campaign to not vote for Biden? That scares me. I don't know why that scares me more than than Biden being Biden's campaign being able to control a narrative and 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 show why he's the best you know mm-hmm. candidate of the two. I'm and that's interesting right there. I'm more concerned about the negativity mm-hmm. being the uh, influencer yeah. opposed to the the mm-hmm. positivity. Yeah, you know for sure. I just that's weird. I, I it's fear. We, we don't know. Obviously, we, we've said this. We, we don't know how right. this, this election is going to work out until it actually does. And I am convinced that my I am in the matrix and whoever is whoever is writing my reality mm-hmm. right now constantly messes with me because I'll, I'll be convinced that something is going to happen. And I'm always effing wrong, whether mm-hmm. it's picking NFL teams right. as a, to be a fan of. It's like whoever programmed me to be a Jets fan, like F you like life of misery and so i've never voted for a person who has won a presidential election never 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 Mm -mm. (laughs) 
Oh wow! No, so like I, I have no idea. Like my oh, my wow. gut wants Biden, right? My, right. And then I convince myself that Biden is the right choice, and I look at polls and I look at data, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like he's a, he's a more than he's double. He has Bernie is the next closest challenger to him in terms of an aggregate of all the polls. But he's you're right. He's probably going to lose. He's probably going to lose because pollst, apparently pollsters. I, Hillary was going to win. I think. This gets into institutional bias, and I think that there is such, amongst the older academia, there is there must be just this really built-in bias, and I don't think it's I don't think it's malicious. I just mm-hmm. think that they're naturally drawn to people who are similar in age, people who are in similar in mindset, right? And I'm just like thirty years younger than what I should be. <laughs> so yeah, I, this is what I think I am. I, it just I don't know. I, I, I buy the, I, I, I don't make my, I'm not spouting off my support for Biden based on, or the th- fact that I think he's going to win because I just have this gut feeling. I just, like, right. I go and I look yes. at yes. polling data and I look at all of that stuff and I'm like, okay, he's the favorite to win. Why would I not think he's going to win? But every time I convince myself of this stuff, I'm always fucking wrong. Yeah. Well, not even just the data that he he's going to win, but you're, you're researching the reasons why you think he should win. Mm-hmm. And that might influence gut choice, but well, it's like also, Hillary, I mean, like Hillary Clinton did win. So if there's an if there's a yeah. counter argument to what I'm saying is that Hillary Clinton, there was like the national polls going into the election were showing about a three per, three to four percent split between right. the popular vote, and that's what Hillary Clinton essentially won by, she won by a little over three percent of the popular vote. Right. They were just wrong by small margins in key battleground states. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how does so there's so much more to the story than I guess just looking at the polls for sure because we have to look at okay well what what's projected turnout in Michigan what is projected turnout in uh, in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. in the urban districts that stayed home mm-hmm. so what is what 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 did those voters see in see in Hillary that caused them to not show up I, I don't know mm. like yeah like Hillary Clinton was supposed to be really, really popular amongst African American voters, but yet there was low turnout mm-hmm. amongst lat- both Latinos and um, African Americans in 2016. Mm-hmm. But there was a huge turnout of Latino. The biggest, pr- the first time Latino, the Latino vote got over 40 percent participation was in tw- was in the 2018 midterms. Right. So is that something you can if you're if you're a Democratic pollster, is that oh, something you can count on? Right. Or what was it? What what yeah. was it that you know that voting block identified with dude there's so many unanswered questions i love it because <laughs> i'm also taking a research methods course mm-hmm. so all everything you're saying right now i'm like whoa yeah <laughs> <laughs> stupid um i did read this morning uh seattle area voters to vote by smartphone and first for u.s elections it's for the board of supervisors election okay and king uh and the king conservation district okay so the new technology will be used for a board of supervisors election and ballots will be accepted from wednesday through election day on february 11th the board of supervisors election in king conservation district for example in the past years has drawn less than one percent of eligible population to the ballot box wow so less than one percent yes that's bad. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, if you're going to experiment anywhere, maybe something like a board of supervisors mm-hmm. election, start small. 
see how it works. Check voter turnout. With what you read, did it say anything about how they're going to verify? Like, I didn't. Um, but I guess there's this um, nonprofit uh, company who's developing the whole program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send you the article. Okay. Um, but I just think the idea of voting online, obviously, the biggest concern for everybody is uh, fraud. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think so. I think if you ask somebody what is what do you think is wrong with voting online, a fear of fraud, I think mm-hmm. is the answer, right? If we can find a way to to limit fraud, dude, I feel like just the convenience of just doing it online or on your smart smartphone or yeah. whatever it may be instantly increases voter participation. I think it does amongst a select group, you but think? if you only have it exclusively on your phone, I think it, it alienates oh, older, right, right. older populations, oh, yeah. too. That's fair. That's fair, too. That's just from like my experience working with licensing in Oregon, because <laughs> Oregon went like to like trying to get everybody to go online and buy their licensing and doing all of their uh, tagging. Like If they catch a fish, you have to tag it. Right. Do all of that on, their, on smartphones. Well, right. there's a big proportion of people who live either in the boonies that uh-huh. don't have... Right. Cell phones. So is it strictly online or do they have the capability no, they, they have to the do paper it? option? That's what I'm saying. So maybe with all the voting, if you can mm-hmm. track it. So like, hey, you already voted online. You can't vote in, on paper in yeah. person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a lot to work out, but I agree with what you're saying as far as. Yeah. I mean, there there is that in that data in that database. In ODFW's database, there is like you're either set up for e-tagging or you're set up for paper tagging. Right. You can't switch unless right. you go to ODFW and have them switch you. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it would help. I think it would help. I think it would. Um, I think you. I think you have to identify the the demographics that are lowest in turnout mm-hmm. and figure out what it is that would allow them to vote Absolutely. better. Right. And one thing I don't know what like. The the age old one is like why are we voting on a Tuesday? Like why why are why are we why is Tuesday a work week for most people? For sure. In the middle of the day, why is that either not a national holiday, mm-hmm. or why don't we move it to a, a weekend when more pe- more people have it off? Why would, is Super Bowl on a Sunday? Would that because <laughs> people can watch right? They're off. Well, yes, but uh, there's like. People, I saw a little kid petitioning because he has to go to school the next day. So can we make it Saturday? <laughs> right. Right. Well, there's a lot of people who say like Mon- the Monday after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. There you go. I but, mean, that's ridiculous. But in voting, yes. I mean, maybe it should. If we're going to keep it a Tuesday. Yeah. Well, for me, I love going. Like, I love going and getting my little sticker that says I voted and I wear that proudly. Dude, I'm, I've never done that. You've never done it? I've only done like the mail. Really? Yeah. Oh, I've always I always take I've never turned mine in by mail. I always take mine to the ballot box. There's always little old people sitting there, and they're I always just done the drive-through ballot box. Oh, no, I always go into the uh, same. Well, the dude, last I should do it. Salmon Creek Elementary. I just walked in there and dropped off my ballot in the little box. You got your little sticker. I got my sticker. Dude, that's adorable. I should do that. I'm gonna do that next time. It makes you feel good. Yeah. I mean, I felt good driving up and doing it. Mm-hmm. I did it. Yeah participation feels good. That's why we get trophies. <laughs> but I don't know. Do you, th- I mean, I guess, do you think most people that you know that don't vote? Yeah. Cause we all know people who don't vote. Right. There's just statistically, you know, a lot more people who don't vote than you do vote because yeah. we only get like at best 40% people turning of a voter, right. voters turning out. Um, 
do you think having Tuesday, like Tuesday off would either would enhance voter turnout or would just people are going to take the day off, go, go out and do recreational stuff and not actually vote? I think that's a great question. Probably recreational stuff. Yeah. And then still not give a shit. It's like, oh, cool, it's, you, a, it's a cool day off. I'm getting paid. If you're, you're probably getting paid for it. Maybe switch the day then to like mm-hmm. a Sunday. So what if you had, there's some accountability there. Okay. And like employ like employers were like, you have to show us some sort of receipt or that you voted in order for you to get the day off. Oh. Hmm. Like they'll, but yeah, there's going to be employees who are going to say, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to give you the day off regardless. Yeah. And how does that play into? Or like you're going to have to. Gatekeeping. Go, well, gatekeeping or <laughs> um, potential like you're going to vote us like you're going to vote it like vote a certain way. Like mm-hmm. our big industry does not want this person to be elected. So we need you to like, mm, well, you, you see that right. like that. You see that a lot. Influence. With, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think about like, and this is a stupid analogy, just like my uh, Super Bowl Sunday one. But like I voted not even exaggerating. Almost every day for Damian Lillard for the All-Star game. <laughs> I'm not joking. Almost every day. They make it so easy. Yeah. It took two seconds. Can you believe that Alex, just a side note, but Alex Caruso was just behind Damian Lillard? I believe it. God, Laker hat. That, that is a great representation of the U.S. voting. <laughs> well, the Winston Churchill said that the uh, the greatest argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. Oh. Damn. I mean, he's super elitist. He's yes, a monarchist. Yes, I mean, yes. whatever. But it's, it's still sometimes that rings true. Yeah. Someone told me last night, I don't like Joe Biden because, like, the way he talks. And I just go, are you fucking kidding me? And I go, but you like the way Donald Trump talks. He goes, I can't understand Joe Biden. I go, you can understand Donald Trump? <laughs> he said, well, if you if you took his words on paper and you just... Moved him around, it would be coherent. I'm like, you're talking about the fucking president of the United States, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your argument for not having this guy be your choice is because you can't understand what he's talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, here's my observation <laughs> with Biden. Okay. And I gained a lot of observation from uh-huh. this fur. Because when a I. Fur trainer? The fur trainer. <laughs> <laughs> The first, the first time I ever watched Joe Biden really debate okay. was, and actually watched the debate, right. was uh, when he was the vice president, when he was vice president, and he's in the vice presidential debate against Paul Ryan. Right. And that was, Paul Ryan was Mitt Romney's um, running mm-hmm. mate. Joe Biden absolutely mopped the floor with Paul, with Paul Ryan. Right. It wasn't even close. Even people who were, hated Obama. Like myself at that time, mm-hmm. wanted nothing more than to see Obama out of office. Had to admit, like, oh my God, Paul Ryan got his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And Joe Biden is one of the best polit. He's one of the oldest, most savviest politicians, but he's not a one-liner guy. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've noticed because he mm-hmm. stumbled through so many of these early crowded debates where it's right. one line. Bumper sticker zingers. That's what you said. Bernie's perfect at that. Warren's perfect at that. Yang's perfect with that. Come up with some sort of te- slogan, tagline, something where he gets the lights flashing, game show style politics. Mm-hmm. 
this last one where there's only six and then the average um, response time that their candidates got increased by about 50%. And you're, you allow someone like Biden, who's, I think he's, some people say he's not intellectual. I think he is. I think he has a really deep thought process. It takes him a little, it takes him a little while to get going. But if you force him to have to try to say something really, really quickly, yeah, it's going to come across as jumbled. Mm, I know what he's saying. Right. Yeah, it, it comes across as like he's, he has all these non sequiturs or he has like, he'll start off on one train of thought and then jump to another train of right. thought. It's yeah, it's really hard to follow. But if you go back and you watch this last one, and you watched when he's had a time to do long form answers, it's incredibly coherent and you mm. understand how much experience he actually does bring to the table. Right. Right. Hmm. I don't know. Just yeah. some thoughts. Yeah, just thoughts. Uh, I have a few things here that okay. I wanted to discuss. Yeah, hit me. Real quick, Mass Effect. Yeah, greatest game ever time, <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Calling you out. Yeah, I saw that. You <laughs> called me a nerd. <laughs> what did you say? Please. I'm so pleased. There was an announcement, I guess, for a new Mass Effect. No, there... What was it? Tell me all about there's it. There's not. There's nothing. There was no. There was nothing. Oh, you're just begging. <laughs> <laughs> no, they said because um, every once in a while, like Bioware has been kind of somewhat teasing that they're going to do a rematch because oh, all the old games right. were on the last gen console. Mm-hmm. That they're going to do a remastered version of the of the original trilogy mm-hmm. for the new generation, which I find. I don't know why they would do that now because the next generation consoles are just less than a year away. Um, But if they could do a remastered version on the Xbox one, like I would be all about that. (laughs) Like with, with more modernized graphics and stuff like that, I would love it. I never played the new like remastered modern warfare or call of duty Four modern warfare. Yeah. I bought that. Did you? Mm -hmm. Was it cool? Um, Being updated. It wasn't really that updated. Oh, I mean, I mean, the the graphics, the graphics and, and the single player were pretty good. Oh, okay. The single player is so basic. It's yeah. weird, like, playing the, the new, new one and then going and playing that right. one. But there is something nice about its simplicity. Mm-hmm. But you were, I was so far behind the eight ball with that because there were so many guys that had mastered all of those maps and everything. Oh, and I yeah. wasn't really used to that. Yeah. So I just got I just got All the tips and tricks. Yeah. yeah, I was good and at that game. The spawns. In those in that game, mm-hmm. I don't know if like they didn't care about it because it was the remastered version. Mm-hmm. The spawns are so bad in that. They're game. not good in the new one. They're better than this one. Oh, I didn't play it, so I don't know. Okay. You want to hear a funny story? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not gonna say who because I don't want to put them on blast. But I was at work yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And we have this uh, receptionist right at the the front of our offices. To get to our offices, you got to go. You come in through the door at my work, and then there's this big like opening room like welcoming room right Mm -hmm. and it kind of echoes like when you talk in there but you go you turn left and you go up the stairs to the offices where we're at right right there is a receptionist and then uh you go through like through some cubicles and my office is in the back right yeah so um the receptionist comes into my office and goes hey i'll just say where uh uh, I'll just use the name Dexter. <laughs> so she goes, Hey, uh, where's Dexter? And I was like, Oh, honestly, I think he just went to take a crap. <laughs> and, uh, she goes, yeah, I thought so. And I was like, what do you mean you thought so? And she was like, I was sitting at my desk and I'm pretty sure I heard a fart. And then to cover it up, he started like clapping as he was <laughs> Oh, 
I was just like, no way. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. He just clapped like, oh, yeah, oh, that was me clapping. She was like, it was definitely a fart I heard echo. <laughs> oh, people are so funny. So funny, dude. And I was like, you know, I was just imagining different scenarios like him start beatboxing. Like, poochie, poochie. like you would, something you would never <laughs> Any, do. Anything to do to, yeah. To cover your fart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people are awesome. Oh, boy. Um, real quick. Uh, I don't really have much more to say. Other than next week, um, we're going to try, but mm-hmm. Jenny has her surgery on Monday. Yeah. It's scary. I can imagine. I'm scared. This is the one that's been, you guys have been kind of planning yeah. for a while. Okay. So she, you know, when she got sepsis and got sick and was in the hospital for a week, mm-hmm. that fucked me up, dude. Yeah. Like, I get super, like, anxiety now about being, even being at the doctor's, like, for her, um... She, what I realized the other day is I hate, I hate when she wakes up and she's like still groggy from anesthesia and she doesn't know what's going on. That, ugh, I hate that feeling. But it all goes back to like, she had this diagnosis surgery probably two years ago to find out if she had endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, because we weren't getting pregnant. And the doctor was like, well, let's just do, you know, diagnosis surgery. Probably won't find anything. You guys will probably be okay. And we're like, all right, cool, let's do it. I mean, at least we'll have a better understanding of what's going on in there. So I'm sitting there by myself for an hour or two in the hospital, and the doctor comes out, and she sits down and shatters my world and basically tells me it's probably impossible for you guys to have kids. Now I have to be responsible for telling her that. This is her dream. Her dream is to be a mother. And so now it's my responsibility to tell her at some point, hey, everything you ever wanted, probably not going to happen. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. So, you know, and that day, we, you know, she's still groggy. And maybe that's why I hate this grogginess, period, mm-hmm. because I had to sit there and fake it and pretend like everything was okay. And it absolutely wasn't. Um, and she's just like, did you talk to the doctor? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it later. You know, trying to just keep it straight, dude. Mm-hmm. And then on the car ride home, she's like, um, what did they say? And I was like, we'll talk about it when we get home. And then she's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. And then I lost it. I started crying and she was like, what did they say? And then we talked about it mm-hmm. and we both cried and it was terrible and it was sad. So I've just had these like monumental moments in this journey of infertility that, have fucked me up (laughs) and just, I dread being in the doctors being in the hospital being for my back hurt like a while ago. And I was like, damn, my back is fucked up. Is it my kidneys? Cause I was on some medication Mm -hmm. that might affect my kidneys. So I went to the doctors being at the doctor. I had, they had to take my uh, blood pressure twice because my heart rate was so high Really? because I was just so nervous and anxious of being there. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Like, I never felt like this before, but this whole journey has just jacked me up. So, I'm sorry that this brought this whole thing down, but I think it's important You're that fine. I share yeah. a little bit. That's what right? this is for. So, um, we don't, we're not going into this surgery with any hopes of any good news. That was kind of fucked up on their part to tell us, like, like we really don't find anything, so you guys will probably be okay. Yeah, and then to should. have our world shattered. These doctors, the specialists, are telling us, 
It could literally end up being the worst case scenario with you having like an ostomy bag. Because her endo is like might be on her bowels and stuff. So we're preparing for the worst. There's no good news other than there was no news that could come out of this. She's going to get endometriosis excision where they're going to take it and remove as much as they can. These are specialists. They use robotics, um, everything. They they burn some endometriosis, some wow. off inside sometimes. Like this is one of the best doctors in the nation to do this. Mm-hmm. Um and she also has the colorectal surgeon who's going to be there in case it is on her um, bowels, right? So we got the top that we can get in this region, the best of the best. We had to quit Kaiser Insurance. We had to go out of network to make this happen. So there's a little bit of confidence there for me, right? Mm-hmm. It eases my mind a little bit. But God damn, it's still scary. Dude, I, <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, and she's getting hysterectomy. I, I don't know how to use, how I don't understand how <laughs> you can stay so calm. Like, it's, it, uh, she's like, do just you even want, like talking about it? Like you're pretty like, I would, I, I almost cried uh, when I was talking about having yeah. to tell Jen that she was yeah. never going to have kids. I got a little choked up, but I covered it. I kept it cool. You can't even tell <laughs> that's hard. It's cool hard. It's hard, dude. Um, yeah. and so she's getting a hysterectomy and she's getting endometriosis excision. Um, there's something, there's finality in her getting a hysterectomy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We know she can't have kids, but there is. Like, oh, okay, well, now you really will never. Yeah. Not that she ever would, but, mm-hmm. you know. So that's what we're doing next week. So I'm off all next week um, from work. She surgeries on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, she might be in the hospital for a few days, depending on what they find and what they have to do. Um, but we also want to prevent infection because we've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> someone said, someone was like, oh, yeah, you know, there's the risk of sepsis. I swear to God. Jen and I looked at each other and she goes, sepsis. And I put my hand out and we fist bumped to it. <laughs> like, we got through that. <laughs> like, shit, we got it. Um, so, you and I have talked a little bit about it on Thursday. If I'm available to record, we'll mm-hmm. record. If not, we'll, you're going to try to do it to the Republic. So, I just want the audience to be aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but next, we've never missed a week. And I'm not saying we will miss a week. But if we do, yeah. heaven forbid we do, that's what's going on. Um, so in the background of my fart clapping jokes, there's some <laughs> real shit going on. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah. to the Probably to the Republic next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I, if you're listening to this, let me know what you want to talk about. Because I have absolutely nothing... I have no idea what I'm going to talk the Republic? about. Yeah, because my um, my temporary replacement has been less than reliable. Mm. So, well, and like I told you, I might if we can do it this weekend, and I'll try to react and and help be there for you. I love I I'd love to if I can find time. Like okay. I said, surgery's Monday. And after Monday, it's dude. My homework's due on Tuesday. Dude, it's so I stupid. I don't even want to <laughs> ask you. I would. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have. Oh no, you I wasn't on. telling you that. To okay, say that. I'm just saying, right. like, like holy shit. I um, I just don't even want to ask that of you. Although, no, no, like, no, no. But I, the- I talked to Jen too, and I was like, hey, like this is kind of the plan for say what you mean. And she was like, oh, dude, if we're if I'm feeling good, take an hour or two. You're gonna need a break. Take an hour or two and record an episode with Jake. Okay. So it's absolutely on the table. Okay. But it's we just don't know what surgery sure. looks like, so we'll get there when we get there. Um, so after I brought that down, <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to say is uh, I got to bring up Blazers, and we can end on Blazers real quickly. That's fine. Yeah.
the two, throws to Lillard. A three for the game. Participated in five on five half court practice. Oh, I can't tell you how happy that made me. Um, Zach is shooting. Zach is shooting. I saw that video. Both hands mm-hmm. up over his head. He had a shoulder injury. For those who don't know, and we traded freaking Bazemore and Tolliver to the Kings for Ariza. Who else? Uh, Yen Gabriel. Yen Gabriel and we got back Caleb Swan again. Dude, Caleb loves Portland. He mm-hmm. was crushed when we traded him. Yeah. So it, was Baysmore. I, I told you, dude. And so was Tolliver. But you know what? So remember when you and I had a little bit of a conversation mm-hmm. about like, I don't really know how close Baysmore and Damien were. And I was like, well, from their Twitter, it seemed like they were kind of close. And I think that they both were bummed that they couldn't be on the team. There's friendships, right? But there's ultimately a goal to succeed. Yeah. And it wasn't succeeding. No. And the way that Damien talked about what Ariza brings mm-hmm. tells me that he was unhappy with what the team was doing. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I, Bazemore, I think Baysmore was, it wasn't for lack of effort. Right. No, just God, for no. whatever reason, there are certain guys that just do not fit. Right. I think you find this in any time, even if you're playing pickup basketball, there's mm-hmm. just certain guys that you just, for whatever reason you, they zig and you zag and yeah. you, there's nothing you can ever do to really get on the same page. Right. And I think that was Bazemore. And I think Bazemore will be happy in Sacramento. He has a history with Luke Walton. Oh. Because um, because he was on that Lakers team when Luke Walton was the assistant coach or when Luke Walton was there at the bottom of the bench. Right. At some point they crossed paths and, okay. and with the Lakers uh-huh. organization and they're pretty close. What seat are the Kings? Are they even close? I think they're the ninth or 10th. They're like... Well, right. last I checked, Portland was 10. Okay, they might be ahead of us. Just and Grizzlies were nine. Yeah. Grizzlies! No, John Moran is... They actually don't have a terrible team. I know. Jonas Valanciunas. Oh. Um, they have... Uh, well, John Moran is really, really yeah, good. He's and then Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a decent young team. I think they also have... There's a couple other veterans there. That kid, Dylan Brooks from Oregon, is playing out like playing really well. He's averaging a double-double. Is he with the Grizzlies? Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Yeah, I was telling my friend Jesse, it's too bad that this season has gone like this because I feel like if there's any open window in the West, it's this year. Because I feel like next year, these Western teams get better. Clippers, Lakers. All these young teams continue to develop together. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have another year of of Przingis and, and Doncic. Yeah. Oh. You have another like another year for the for Phoenix to build what they're building. Right. Um, Utah's not going anywhere. Right. They have Donovan Mitchell and um, what, oh, Rudy Gobert, and they signed Bogdanovich mm-hmm. to that long extension. They brought in Mike Conley. Oh. Yeah, dude. There's no easy outs. And Sacramento's trying to get better. And if you look at Sacramento's roster, roster, their roster's not that bad. Right. They're just never healthy. Like De'Aaron Fox is 
always dealing with something and Marvin Bagley's got something, but right. Buddy Heald's a good shooter. Like any night, those guys can shoot threes and beat you. Yeah. Like look at what Phoenix did in Portland a couple like, a couple weeks ago. Like they just couldn't miss from three. Well, our defense sucks. Uh, our defense is, te- <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, did you read that Jason Quick article? Which one? About Nurkic and Damian. No, I didn't. I didn't read that one. Dude. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's just it's just it's it's reassuring did to you, read it. Did you watch Quicks? Uh, listen or or read Quicks? Uh, Brandon Roy expose. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I knew you. I figured Duh. you would. Duh! I was crying the whole time. I know. I was like every time I I was hearing him talk about it on 1080. He had like a whole like 20 minute segment yeah. where he talked about it, um, how he did his research and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and talking with Brandon and it. It kind of sucks. I had no idea because Brandon just kind of faded away from Portland. Like right. he, there was never any sort of outward lashing out at Portland. But he's been apparently he was really pissed at how things ended in Portland. Yeah. I had no idea. Me neither. Just Nate not playing him and Brandon telling me he was ready and like play me more. We can win. Mm-hmm. Like and he just wouldn't. I've always hated Nate McMillan. I'm just going on record to say that. And I yeah. I he always was- disliked him and I always knew that he was a little chump. Well, his offenses was his offense was ridiculous. It was four one flat. Like, yeah, it yeah. Was ISO ba- like yeah. ISO basketball was terrible. So to hear that Brandon Roy was just that unhappy, and that people were just like, you know, Wes is vying for his position, and everybody just kind of stopped talking to him, and he hasn't come back. This was in the article. He hasn't come back because he just there's with 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 all the trainers gone, all the coaching staff gone. Mm-hmm. None of the same players are there. And Paul Allen dying. There's literally no connection to the organization anymore. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I just really the only the only game he came to after retirement was because he had a connection in that game, and it was Jamal Crawford, oh. one of his best friends. Yeah. So he came back, but dude, can you imagine if he came back? Like, I'm surprised he wasn't there for any of those Western Conference final games. He just doesn't feel Maybe. welcome. It's really too bad, dude. If he came back, he said that he knows the city's behind him, and and then mm-hmm. and, and that they love him. But it's it's something about the organization that he's kind of maybe still hurt by it. Well, I know that. That I think there was a lot of coaching decisions. I also heard there was like a real money thing. The mm. organization really kind of shunned him because when he decided to go, when he retired, right, right. and they were able and to use the to bird Minnesota. cost, that cost Paul Allen millions of dollars. It was eighty million dollar contract. Yeah, and when he went to go play for Minnesota, it cost Paul Allen a ton of money. And then they kind of started Paul Allen. It was kind of like really, like we gave you that contract pretty much on faith. Yeah. And then when you couldn't do it anymore, you couldn't play, and we we thought we were gonna be able to get out of you anyway. Like he was trying to do what was best for himself. He still right. wanted to play basketball. Right. I couldn't imagine. God no. The thing that he loved most basketball, according to well, Dave, I like, can imagine. Yeah, I just told you about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's true. What a dumb comment. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, dude. I'm just oh. kidding, Jake. Oh my god. But yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Just being told you can't, yeah, you just couldn't have it. He like, couldn't. Not even, like, because he can do it. He mm-hmm. can shoot. Yeah. And I'm sure he's coaching. So I'm sure he's out there on the court. Yeah. But it's just, it's just a hairline away from being able to do it. Literally, mm-hmm. just microscopic ability in your knees. Yeah. You can't do it anymore. Can you imagine being bone on bone? I was thinking about that when I was reading, just grinding. But yeah, like you're saying, he's just sitting there and he can't do it. He wants to do it. 
And he's willing to sacrifice. Clearly, he was really willing to sacrifice. But then on the flip side, Nate's not playing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, I don't know. He he says that he felt like we could have won that. We could have won yeah. that that series against Dallas mm-hmm. if they had been able to, if they had played him more. Yeah. It's too bad, man. Because they they were just that, talk about a uh, franchise that was just that wasted a lot of talent. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite line in that whole article was when Brandon Roy's talking about how that game was like the basketball god saying, "We'll give you this. This is yours. You mm-hmm. can have this." And then. He said he saw uh, Jason Terry shoot up a three, like one of the a critical three at, towards the end. And Brandon Roy was like, nah, you ain't making that. This is my game. And he made it. And he was like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I, this is for me. You can't do that. And then he just finished the game. Just- yeah. Apparently, like something else that I had read about, like that whole series was like after that game, Dallas was like, holy crap. Uh, Dirk said that that was the, clo- the that was the most fear they ever felt during that entire championship run because mm-hmm. that's the year they Dallas won the championship. Right. He said because we didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. He hadn't been playing, and we were like, "Are we going to get vintage?" Or like <laughs> we were not ex- like he's like we were not expecting right. to have to deal with vintage Roy, and then we never saw him again for the rest of the series. Yeah. And he's like, well, then we just, you know, we rolled to a, a, a four a four two victory in the yeah. series. Like, and Roy was never like a factor again. And you just realize, like, and then you start to hear it's obviously Roy's side of the story. McMillan hasn't come out, and so maybe there was reasons right. why they couldn't play him. But right. to know that he could have kept doing that, and then we didn't play him. Yeah, ah, that's hard to hard to swallow. I could. Yeah. I hope. I hope O'Shea because it's different. It's a different general manager. Right. Shit right. Now. And I Stotts has I think such a better player coach than McMillan. Yeah, it's not even close. That we would never do Lillard like that. No, I don't think so. I thought you were gonna say bring Brandon back. <laughs> just, <laughs> this is a sp- dude. We brought Carmelo back. That's true. That's true. Brandon Roy's gained a bunch of weight though. Has he? Yeah, he, can't, he didn't have the stamina to ball. He got he got shot. He did get shot in the butt. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um. Oh God, I was gonna say one more thing. Um. It was about Nurk and Dame and their relationship. I can't remember. Oh, I do. Dame, read that article. Okay. Because Damien as a leader, I don't care what franchise or what team you are. You know, you look at a team like San Antonio where they have Popovich, mm-hmm. which is great. But having a leader like Damien makes all the difference. They talk about Nurk coming in and Nurk being insecure and and kind of embarrassed about the way De- he was hand- handled in Denver and how he would throw fits. And everybody warned Portland that this is the kind of guy he is. Like, he's a kid. He throws fits when he doesn't get his way and he acts like a little bitch. And they talk about this moment right when Nurk comes in and he, like, introduces himself. And then Nurk was like, he says he goes into the film room and he's, like, going to sit down and watch some film. And he turns around. He's like, Damien popped up out of nowhere. And he was standing right there. And Dame was like, hey, I want you to know I got you. Like, you're on my team now. Like, whatever you need, I'll always be there for you. I have your back. Wow. And, and Nurk was like, where I'm from, nobody's like that. Don't trust anybody. And he goes, for some reason, I felt it. Like, I trust this guy. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say that Damien immediately says, and all that shit from Denver, if any of it's true, it stops now. We're here to do work. And I don't want any of it. And he goes, I respected everything he just said to me. Because not only did he say, I got you, but don't fuck around. And I'm not going to allow it. 
Mm-hmm. And then they talk about different times within those first few games where Nurk would kind of throw a little bit of a fit. And Damien just went up to him and said, knock that shit off. We can see you. You can you, see you it. Can How many times have yeah. we, we talked about mm-hmm. like, whoa, Damien just told him to fucking knock it off. And he's like, now I can tell him, mother effer, lock it up. <laughs> like, and he knows. And mm-hmm. and now they've have do the relationship. They're just it's the sweetest, most romantic story ever. <laughs> well, dude, it's just like um, Nurk showing up to Dame's Dame Junior's you know one year old oh, one, dude, there's one like year birthday party. Eight paragraphs about Nurk's relationship with Dame Junior. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. Talking about how Damien says nobody lets he doesn't like to be held, but if Uncle Nurk's holding him, he doesn't care. He says there's a, there's a moment where he handed him to Dame during the locker room interview, took the baby away, and was like, all right, we're going to go adventure. And he was like, Dame Jr. does not like being taken away from me. Mm-hmm. But if it's Nurk, he doesn't care. That's awesome. It's so adorable, dude. They're mm-hmm. best friends. It's cute. Yeah. You should read it. I wonder how to Because when that. he comes back, I'm trying to buy all the Nurk merch, dude. I found some Nurkish socks on Amazon. I think I'm going to order them. They were like $7. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with him, dude. He's so he's so good. I'm glad he's and it looks like he stayed in shape. Yeah, like he, dude. Did you see that video of him just working out by himself? Yeah, on post moves. Oh, mm-hmm. <sighs> can he can he come back better? Or go? I or can he? Can, it's all mental. Yeah, I know. Look at Paul George. I know. Yeah, those first that first year, you could tell there was a hesitancy. Now he's out there, he's hustling, he's playing again like Paul George. Mm-hmm. And wh- who better? Than a leader like Dame to help Nurk get there. Yeah. God, I love that guy. I love that team. Me too. I can't wait till they're healthy again. Watching like Collins and Nurk on the bench. Just it it's, it sucks because you know what they could have had. Yeah. They just we'll get there. Healthy. We'll get there. Yeah. Our time is coming. In, in the thing in just last thing, okay. Is that Damian Lillard has has scored sixty points in a game twice this season. In a lost season. Yeah. When he's finally holding that Larry O'Brien trophy in Portland. I'm going to remember this season because it's a guy who gave it his all, mm-hmm. even though there was nothing to really play for. Did you watch that game? I did. I watched the fourth quarter and overtime. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He was unguardable. Dude, just checked out mentally and just putting the ball in the hoop. Mm-hmm. That shot for to go to overtime, he was smothered yeah. for a step back three. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening and you don't like basketball, just know if someone says, hey, what do you know about basketball? Damian Lillard is the greatest of all time. <laughs> it's hard to argue. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully it's next week. If not, Jake will be here to entertain all of you and make sure you learn some shit. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.